<clears throat> Thank you, Matt. Well, this morning, Pastor Andrew and I, through the miracle of technology, are co-preaching the message this morning. It was a message that um, has been on our hearts for a little bit now, and um, we felt strongly that the Holy Spirit was leading us, that this is, this is the time. Um, it is a very important message for our church and for the broader uh, national, international church during this time. Um, and so uh, Pastor Andrew um, on video will um, open us in, in the word this morning. Good morning, Evangel family. Pastor Andrew here, and I'm beaming into you on vacation. I'm taking some time away to rest and get recharged. Uh, but there are some timely things that uh, on my heart that I wanted to share with you, and I thought uh, doing a video for you this morning would be a great way to do that. Um, it's been a busy fall and uh, challenging season as we've had some curveballs thrown at us. Um, over the last weeks. Just a, a bit of a review kind of, of where we've been uh, over the past few months. We had some great opportunities this summer to be equipped for the, the mission of God for us here in, in Bathurst. We had Gather to Go come and do some, uh, some evangelism training. Excellent, excellent training. And I know some of you felt so equipped by that. Um, so that was in July. And then uh, throughout July and August, for six weeks, we had a, a team from our church doing uh, kids ministry, outreach kids ministry in Edgewood neighborhood, one of our New Brunswick housing communities in the city. And then in, uh, in August, we had King's Castle team come in from Moncton. And they did some outreach with us, but also they did some training with our, our kids' workers. And uh, so, yes, just some great opportunities this summer. And our staff team worked super hard uh, this summer preparing for uh, a really exciting relaunch of our many of our programs and ministries to re-engage with the mission of God in our city this fall. We had, uh, you know, we did a lot of recruiting and team building with new workers, and we were so excited for uh, a big relaunch. And then, um, you know, September 12, our big day, we got word that we had some COVID cases in our church. And so to protect you, we canceled our service that morning uh, until we had further more information. And then over the next couple weeks, the New Brunswick government rolled out uh, a new mandatory order. And uh, so many of our planned ministries and even our, our Rising Tide Conference had to be put on hold uh, this, this uh, fall. So we needed to turn the ship quickly and we put a big focus on 
um, you know, getting people plugged into connect groups. And, you know, we have currently 84 people plugged into connected into connect group uh, connect groups all around our city. And that's super exciting. So many of you are finding it encouraging and, and uh, finding life giving relationships in our connect groups. So that's that's fantastic. And we celebrate that. Um, we're certainly hoping that the mandatory order will lift soon and, and more of you will feel comfortable coming back to live worship here on site um, on Sundays. You know, we're glad to, to have this technology of live stream to be able to stay connected. But nothing can ever replace joining our hearts and our voices together in the same space to worship God as one. I get a lot of questions uh, from people related to COVID issues. And I know we all might be tired of talking about COVID, but there are some things that I think it's important for us to talk about. And, and I wanted to take some time today to share some things from my heart. First of all, uh, I, I believe it is quite clear COVID is real. It's a real virus that causes real illness and for a minority of people, it can be quite serious. There's been some speculation as to whether, you know, this whole thing has been a, a fabricated government conspiracy. I've never really believed that was true, partially because uh, I just don't believe that our, our government um, is, you know, that strategic and, and able to come up with something like that and, and to keep it under wraps and so on. But I do believe that some of our government leaders have seized the opportunities uh, to put forward agendas that they might not have otherwise had the chance to do. I don't know if that makes them evil so much as it makes them politicians. And, uh, and you know, if anyone in that position um, saw an opportunity and had an agenda to put forward, they would probably do the same thing. I do believe that here in our province, uh, Premier Blaine Higgs and the uh, inter-party task force, you know, they, they haven't done everything perfectly, but I think they've, they've worked together and worked hard um, to, to, for, the, for the benefit of the health and safety of our province. And, and uh, I think their intentions have been, have been good and uh, they've, they've, They've worked hard. You know, we need to pray for our leaders. I wouldn't want their jobs. We need to we need to pray that God will give them wisdom and, and direction as they make tough decisions. I know that there are those of us who think very strongly that everyone should get vaccinated. And I know that there are those of us who think very strongly that no one should get vaccinated. And then there's a large group in the middle that m most are probably vaccinated and and, uh, and some, you know, are still just not sure what to do. Um, I will state very clearly today that I was double vaccinated a number of months ago. I do believe that the science shows that the vaccine has been proven to be very effective in protecting the majority of people from becoming infected and uh, from protecting those who, who become infected with COVID from suffering the worst and most severe outcomes. I didn't get vaccinated out of fear, but first of all, as a, as a 
desire to travel internationally. And secondly, also as a sense of responsibility to protect the most vulnerable people that I minister to. I believe in the effectiveness of the vaccine, but I also know that there can be some rare, serious side effects. And some of you are really skeptical about it. I want you to know that I believe very strongly you have the right to that opinion. And I will defend your choice not to get vaccinated if that's what you think is right. I believe people should have the right to decide what goes into their bodies. One of the questions that I've gotten over the last year or so as we've dealt with all this is whether these are the last days and, you know, uh, whether the vaccine is connected with the, the mark of the beast. Folks, the same questions were asked during the mandatory smallpox vaccine, vaccine in the early 1900s. The same questions were asked during the First World War and the Second World War. I remember a book that came out in the mid-80s titled 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. Well, that didn't happen. And then Y2K. Some of you are old enough to remember uh, how everybody was panicking about that. At the time, I couldn't believe the panic in the church over Y2K. People were stockpiling stuff and prophecy teachers were making a mint selling books because gullible Christians were buying them like crazy. Everybody seems to want to know if the Antichrist is coming. I guess my question is, why have we become so Antichrist focused? We've forgotten how exciting it is for the believer that Jesus is coming. Why are we letting fear drive us? Fear is keeping people locked in their homes. Fear is keeping people scared of things that we've been told in Scripture we have authority over. And the Mark of the Beast, which is mentioned in Revelation chapter 13, very clearly, according to that passage, takes place after the Antichrist, also known in that passage as the, the beast from the earth, uh, is, is revealed. And this beast from the earth exercises miraculous powers to convince people to worship the beast from the sea, which seems in the passage like it's a political alliance that is that has its allegiance to worshiping the dragon or Satan as a false god. And all of this has to be in place before the mark of the beast will ever take place. To be sure, those things will happen, but this is not that. So are there ways in which our culture, through all of this stuff, is being prepared for what is coming? Well, very possibly. I don't know that it's all being orchestrated by some human intelligence, but the enemy is always working to prepare for his plans. I would suggest that many of the things that you and I interact with every day are part of the enemy's plans in our culture um, to prepare people for what is coming. And in order to, to boycott everything that the enemy is using, we'd have to cease to live in our culture and just leave this world. You know, it's not your job, it's not our job to stop the plans of the enemy. In fact, those things have to happen in order for the unfolding of God's plan, which is greater, which is more, 
more uh, amazing than the plans of the enemy. Um, and those who say, uh, you know, uh, that they know when Jesus is returning. I, I don't know when Jesus is returning. And anyone who says that they do, you, sh you and I shouldn't be listening to them. Because Jesus himself said that we would not know the time. You know, your job, my job, is to guard our own heart and mind from the lies and the distractions of the enemy. To love the Lord with all of our being, no matter what comes, no matter what happens. Our job is to keep our eyes on the Lord and to do everything that we can to make his name, the name of Jesus, famous in this world. Our job is to anticipate Jesus coming, not to fear the coming of the Antichrist. You might feel like things are really bad right now and, and just the world is coming apart. But if the description that Jesus gives us in the Gospels about his return can be trusted, and of course, I believe that it can, um, then things are going to get much worse than this before the end. Will we keep our eyes on Jesus through the trials and the troubles of this world? If we give in to fear and lose heart at the minor setbacks that we've experienced over this season, how will we stand under true persecution? Right now, this can be either a moment when the church cowers in fear and drops the ball and blunders our great mission, or this can be the church's greatest hour. I believe God is taking his church into a, another great reformation, and he's preparing us to be so focused on him, so given to the mission, and so nimble and sharp that though the darkness gets darker, the light of the gospel will, will shine like never before. We are moving into a purifying season of the church, preparing us for a great harvest of souls like the world has never seen. It's our choice whether we will let COVID be what takes us out or what causes us to be determined to be part of the last great move of God on the earth. The choice comes down to you. Will you surrender to fear? Or rise up and be renewed in faith, in hope, and in love. Folks, we need to major on the majors. We need to get our eyes on the mission, keep our eyes on Jesus, and the distractions of conspiracy and stuff on the internet and stuff on, on um, you know, social media and all of that. If we let that be a distraction to us, we will never get the mission of God done. I want to encourage you, folks, it's time to pray. It's time to pray for the church. It's time to pray for your family. It's time to pray for the lost. It's time to pray for our leaders. It's time to pray that God will visit his church once again. It's time to get our, our hearts on straight and our heads on straight and to, to run at our mission like never before. I want to encourage you that um, this, this uh, Advent season coming up, starting uh, November 28th, the first Sunday of Advent, 
Um, I, I'm really praying that, that, uh, that this Advent season will be a time of calling the church back together. Uh, as, you're, as you're ready to do so, uh, to, to rejoin us live, to, to come back together, to worship Jesus in this Christmas Advent season with all of our hearts, to worship him and give him glory, to, to focus in. Each of our messages during the Advent season is going to be focused on the first coming of Jesus and all that that meant and the second coming of Jesus and all that that's going to mean. Each of those messages are going to be gospel focused. And I want, I want to encourage you to be praying. Who can you invite? Who can you bring along with you as you come back to church? Who needs to hear the message of hope? that the, the Advent season brings to our attention. I want to encourage us to be focused in the days ahead on the great mission that God has called us to. Let's dig in. Let's move forward with vision and passion and, uh, and be ready to, for God to do in us what he needs to do so that he can take us into the future uh, with, with a, a passion for him and a passion to reach the lost. Thank you for listening. God bless you. I hope you have a, a fantastic rest of your Sunday. We'll see you, see you when I get back. And so, brothers and sisters, my evangel, Bathurst family, brothers and sisters in Christ who are watching online from our congregation or maybe different uh, fellowships and congregation, please hear what we're saying this morning. For too long now we have found ourselves shrouded in a fog, a fog that has been brought on by differences of opinion that haven't been respected or allowed brought on by fear, fear of being judged for our thoughts or differences in theological beliefs, brought on by so much spinning of information. For too long now, we have allowed our focus to shift to matters which lack in their very nature the ability to bring unity. For too long now, our focus has been allowed to be drawn to matters which have but a relatively short-lived magnitude of importance. For too long now, we have, had, we have allowed minors to become majors and lost focus on true majors. Now is the time, once again, just as Pastor Andrew just said, to major on the majors. So... What is that? What should our major thing be? I truly believe, we truly believe that we are in a season as a church that for some reason we need a strong reminder of what our major thing should be. Our major thing should only 100% of the time be guided by God 
and his word. So I want to, in our time remaining, uh, look closely at his word, at the Bible. When we take time to examine the Bible, such a powerful, powerful book, we see that the major theme of this book is one main thing, and that is the kingdom of God. We see this starting in the very beginning with kingdom revealed in Genesis 1, verse 28. It says, in the beginning, God created the world and placed mankind as his representatives in charge of caring for it. God alone is creator and king, and he alone gets to delegate who is placed as his representatives on earth. He delegates authority to mankind because power is his true power, not man-made political power or, or popularity, but true power belongs to him. He has the power to do things like subdue it, to have dominion over it. And in Genesis 1.28, it describes how man is to use God's authority to bring earth to its fullness. Then as we move along from kingdom revealed, we encounter kingdom forfeit when man unfortunately made the choice to reject God's will and plan and went on their own way. And that happened in Genesis chapter 3. This is what the Bible refers to sin as sin. This is where sin, unfortunately, entered the picture. And sin is when we, when the first peoples made that choice to depart from God's plan and to go their own way. Sin is what leads us to brokenness, according to Romans 3.23. This results in death entering the world, Romans 6.23. God created a perfect world without brokenness, according to Genesis 1, verse 34. But man opened the door to sin and death, which has led to the brokenness that we see around us. So from kingdom revealed to kingdom forfeited, we continue through the Bible and encounter the plan of the restoration to the kingdom. We see this exemplified through the early Old Testament journey of the nation of Israel, where into that journey is interwoven in a really cool way God's desire for mankind's mankind's restoration into his eternal everlasting kingdom and we read the prophecy which is an important piece of this plan in isaiah 53 verses 1 through 6 say who has believed our message to whom has the arm of the lord been revealed he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, 
nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like from one whom hide sorry, like from one whom people hide their face, he was despised, and he and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We are all like sheep who have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own ways and the Lord has laid upon him iniquities of it all. And so the plan of restoration to the kingdom is revealed through the New Testament, through the journey of the New Testament. And then we encounter something that means so much to so many of us, the kingdom reclaimed. The kingdom was reclaimed by God himself, because, as we started out by saying, all dominion and power only belongs to him, so he is ultimately in control. He reclaimed when God himself entered into the brokenness of this world, and Jesus accomplished through his death on the cross the reclaiming. In First Peter Chapter 2, verse 24, Peter directly quotes the earlier prophecy from Isaiah when he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And I'm going to come back to the actions of Jesus in, in just a bit here. And then finally, we read of kingdom fulfilled, the day that we look towards. The Bible ends with the kingdom of God being fully established on earth in Revelations chapter 21 and 22. Jesus comes to replace the kingdom of this world with God's kingdom. He will remove all evil from the earth. Until then, in the time that we currently dwell, God is patient to give people time to turn to him. Aren't you thankful for that today, church? Aren't you thankful for God's patience with us? In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. We can be so impatient at times. Just hurry up, come on. I'm tired of waiting. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So if God is patient, why are we so in a hurry for him to come when so many people still need God? Why is our focus shifted so 
much to uh, scaring people because you have to turn to God now instead of allowing them to go through their jur- faith journey to come to Christ. If God wants no one to perish and he is patient in the endeavor of everyone or as many as possible to come to Christ, shouldn't you and I be that way also? So, as we see, the Bible's major theme is, exclamation, all capital letters, bold print, underline, is the kingdom of God. And all of this was directed by God and made possible through the actions of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the central figure of the Bible. Jesus, who came and brought us amazing teachings about the good news and redemption for the world through his death on the cross. All of the Bible points to Jesus, to who he would be, and to what he would do, to God's plan in his kingdom purposes to be fulfilled through his own son. So if the major theme of the Bible is the kingdom of God, then Jesus, as the king of kings, the son of God, is the center of its message. So then, if if all of that is true, and I assure you it really, really is, then that can only lead to one conclusion. That our major thing, we're majoring on the majors, our major thing should be to follow the direction of God. The direction that God is trying to point out to us through his word, through the Bible, to make our lives reflect kingdom purposes. And the great news is he made that easier for us. There's no stumbling around in the darkness to try to figure it out. Because we need only to look to the central figure of the scriptures, Jesus Christ himself. And in fact, that's exactly what God directs us to do in his word. Counting it quickly this week, I could find easily 100 times where God says that in his word. You think he's trying to say something? He has to say it a lot to us because sometimes we can be a little bit slow. I know I can. I won't speak for you. I'm not trying to insult you. I know I can be a little slow. He says it at the very start of the Bible, where in Genesis verse sorry, chapter one, verse twenty six, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over fish in the sea, over the birds of heavens, and it continues on. It says, We are made to be like him in his image. We may have fallen away, but God still has that plan for us. The instruction for us to be Christ-like continues from literally cover to cover. In Revelations, the very last book of the Bible, Revelations in chapter 1, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ 
which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angels, by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written, for the time is near. And so it clearly says in this passage in Revelations, God equipped Jesus Christ to teach you and I God's word. And through his testimony, which means the actions of his life, his everyday goings on, he showed us how to live. Like I said, there's no stumble, stumbling around in the darkness. It's, it's all here. And those who take the time, it says, to not simply just read the word, it's not good enough to just be able to quote some scriptures. Those who take time to not just simply read the word, but actually hear it, allow it to sink in, and follow after the very same kingdom purposes that are spelled out that Christ taught are, those people are, exactly what the pastor said, blessed. It's not simply a suggestion to be Christ-like, oh, if you want to, if it, if it works for this time. It's not a suggestion. It's a declaration to us, church. That at all times, just like Christ did, through words and testimony, we are Christ-like. 1 John chapter 2, 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he, meaning Jesus, walked. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, this is just a couple of the hundred... Hundred passages that I could find. It exhorts us to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so finally, as those who are going to be doing uh, communion, as you prepare yourself, we know, to make clear this morning, if you didn't already know it, that the central theme of the Bible is the kingdom of God. The central character of the Bible is Jesus. But what is his main message? If our major thing is to reflect kingdom purposes, by modeling ourselves after Jesus Christ, then it only stands to reason that we should understand what his main message is in order that you and I can echo it. So I'm not going to leave you wondering this morning. No cliffhangers. Jesus' main message was, and hear me clearly, this main message hasn't changed. Regardless of the times that we're in, regardless of how good things are getting and how strong we may feel or how chaotic things may be. This message has not changed. It continues 
and always will be that we can be restored to God and live as people of his kingdom under God's rule and reign through Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but this is pretty amazing. This goes beyond just great news. That to people who admit that they have brokenness and that they're not a part of the design for God's world, that there's hope. This is good news to people who are experiencing brokenness in this world, sickness, broken relationships, war, famine, injustice, and, and the list truly could go on. Jesus not only told people about the kingdom of God, but he showed people the kingdom of God. He showed people that God's kingdom is here through us and that God cares through us. The gospel records the many miracles of healing that Jesus displayed to show the kingdom of God was here. And guess what? Those same powers, same power to heal remains with us. Jesus came to show people that there's a different way to live, a way to be restored or saved from the brokenness of this world. He came to teach us that we can enter the kingdom of God and live as God's people. Jesus' Jesus's life and ministry summed up at the cross. The cross where Jesus paid the ultimate price where he died for the penalty of none of his sins, but our sins, so that we could be reconciled to God, so the kingdom could be reclaimed. Jesus laid down his life. He made that choice of sacrifice, the choice to hang on the cross, choice to allow his blood to be shed, and through that, we receive, we know, forgiveness that pays for sin and pays the price that we are redeemed by God and restored through to him. Through his death on the cross, Jesus reclaimed the kingdom of God on our behalf. It's reclaimed for people who forfeited it by going out of God's kingdom through sin. You see that happen around you today, folks? People forfeiting the kingdom because of their sin. Sometimes they may not even be aware of the option that there is salvation available to them, but they are forfeiting the kingdom. Does that not break your hearts? Church, are you awake? Does that not break your hearts? People are going straight to hell. Hell is a real place, and it is a place where we go as a result of our willful choosing to sin. And the Bible clearly states that ignorance is no excuse because we are born 
with a God-given conscience of right and wrong in the very nature intertwined to who we are as God creation, our longing is for that. That's why people say, I just feel like I can't get enough. I have a hole that I can't fill. How are they going to know if we're all caught up in our own drama? We, the church, should be pointing people to follow Jesus and to live out God's plan for the lives. Not sowing disunity and strife. We, God's people, were called to love God and love others as Jesus commanded. Not suggested, commandment. It was a command. Anything else? Hear me today. Anything else is a minor thing and should not be allowed or permitted for even a second, as much as we humanly can help it. It should not be allowed to get in our way. It should not be allowed to dilute our God-given mission. And as he said in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, I'll ask the worship team to come, please. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you hear, Pastor Andrew and me this morning, do you hear the word that God is declaring to you this morning? We're not suggesting that it's time to act carelessly. Yes, there is sickness, a serious virus that's around, and that we have to be wise and protect ourselves and protect ourselves others but we've become so caught up not just during this pandemic but for such a long time this church this not sorry not just this church the church we have so many brothers and sisters around the world has been so caught up by things that are minors things that don't really matter differences of opinion in our beliefs and theology Difference of opinion of what you should or should not wear on stage or songs that you should or shouldn't sing. Areas that you should go to minister or shouldn't go to minister. I have a pastor friend who has an amazing ministry. And it's in a place that has been cast off as you shouldn't go there. It's in a bar. People are drinking, but people are getting to know God. He's not there drinking, don't get me wrong. But he's declaring the kingdom of God into dark places because that's what he was commanded to do. And he's obeying what God told him to do. He's allowing the major to be a major in his life. We are established in this community. We have been here for 100 years. 
100 years, that's a long time. We've had ebbs and flows. We've seen our congregation numbers go up and go down. I don't really care about the numbers personally. There can be big churches and the Holy Spirit and Jesus is absent. I've seen it. What, the, is what matters at the end of the day is your heart and your obedience to the declarations of God's word. That as God declared through his word that we are focused on God's kingdom purposes, that we are following the central character of the Bible, Jesus, the central figure. We are following his footsteps, his directions in our lives that his words, that he speaks directly to us through his word, through prayer, through gathering together at connect groups, coming Sunday morning to church, through prayer meetings, whatever you're involved with, that we are hearing from him, that we are engaged in more than just a passive relationship of convenience. When it works for me, but we're engaged in a relationship submitted to the High King who gives us and takes away power. Did you realize that North America, the Western society, to broaden it because it's not just this part of the world, Western society is the main place where churches are shrinking and dying. That's sad. And although there are multiple reasons for that, I would suggest that the reason why developing countries countries that are younger in their relationship and understanding of Christ the reason why they're seeing incredible revival in much of western society is not because they haven't forgot the majors they're still there you think imagine this image in your mind uh, those who are serving can you come please imagine this image of your mind a new believer they only know the basics. They don't know anything about what humans are so good at, at making church about and Christianity about, right? And they're hungry. And they're like, man, I want to know who this Jesus is. I want to know who this God is. I want to know what this Bible says. And I want to do exactly as it says. I just want to obey. But as we age, as we get older, things can happen. Mainly, I mean, there's physical things which slow us down. I'm only 35 and I understand that. But we, as we get older, we can get complacent. We can develop attitudes. We can develop feelings of, well, I've seen that, I've done that. Or we can develop attitudes of, well, I don't like that. I want things to be the way that I was used to having them. And so we prioritize these minor things and make them major in our lives. And until we get to a place 
where we're willing to surrender to God. As a Western global church, until we get to that place, we'll see God do things, sure. But we're still going to be missing out on the major things that God wants to do. Will you stand, please, as we turn to communion? Church, are you ready to major on the majors? Church, are you willing? I'm talking to myself, too. Because it can be hard to surrender. Man, I like everything just to be so. I like to know five years ahead of time how things are going to go. And uh, I like to be able to pencil in that this is how things, I like to have control. But are we willing to surrender to God? Because it's only when we do that, when we come in a place of vulnerability, that we will be able to truly be broken down, to be chipped away at, so that God's plan can be fulfilled in my life. Fully. And I don't know about you, but I desire that. I've seen God do some cool things in and through me. But he has so much more for me. He has so much more for you. And so, as you can start passing this out, please. So as you receive the emblems today, I want us to approach this amazing thing that Jesus, that God did for us with a fresh attitude, with childlike eyes, with amazement, and give the Holy Spirit a chance to minister to your heart this morning, to speak to you, to start doing that new thing within you. Worship team, will you lead us?